Hi there, and welcome back to Gravity, the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants, and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business, or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to the show on your player. That way you won't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. What are you the best at? I mean, the very best. This is the question that's driven Tom Martin to discover a very specific and profitable niche market for his most valuable and marketable skill. So welcome along and let's meet Tom. Tom Martin from Channel Fuel, welcome to the show. Um, do you want to maybe start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work that you do? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. It's an absolute uh, pleasure to speak to you today, Bob. Um, so I um, have been a professional YouTube channel manager uh, for about the last seven years, since late 2012. And what that means is basically I've been running other people's YouTube channels up until about um the end of may last year so coming really close to uh, the one year mark i've been doing it for myself basically as a consultant um, and helping uh, media companies rights holders and independent youtube creators to basically um, get more views on their youtube videos uh, improve their overall youtube channels uh, and in turn make more money get more leads whatever it is that they're they're trying to do you know raise their profile on youtube uh, which i now do on a mainly on a kind of short-term consultancy basis uh, and the short-term part uh, is by design so i'm not sure if you want to dig into that a little bit more uh, later in the conversation probably i think one thing i think is really important to highlight is that you come to youtube with some pretty hefty credentials there's a lot of people dabble in youtube and they kind of become air quotes, experts, simply because they spend time on the platform. But you really have come at it from a, a profoundly professional perspective. Do you want to maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so my background was not... Um, a lot of people's YouTube story is, you know, I was making videos in my bedroom and then all of a sudden I woke up one day and I, had, you know, one of my videos had gone viral and then um, I tried to basically professionalize it uh, retrospectively. Mine is a lot more... Uh, uh, a different story so i had zero uh, zero experience on youtube in any capacity apart from watching videos up until the point that i got my first job uh, as a youtube channel manager back in 2012 for the bbc and i was thrown totally in at the deep end um the reason that i was able to get that job in the first place was because i'd already worked for the company for five years um in the digital video licensing business so i knew the catalog really well i had really good relationships with all of the different departments that touched that new role um and i knew the catalog really well because i'd been i'd been licensing that content to, to other platforms so um i managed to somehow blag a job in the youtube team uh kind of took a f the first few weeks to learn which buttons to press because i really didn't even know that um and then um pretty much spent the next you know, seven years up until this day, uh, and I'm still learning to this day how to master the platform. Um, but some some pretty epic results 
Uh, in my first year as a channel manager, I took the Top Gear YouTube channel to um, from uh, 750,000 subscribers to just over 3 million in 12 months. Um, within about a month of joining the company, I launched the official Doctor Who channel without ever seeing a, an episode of Doctor Who, which was an interesting challenge. Uh, that now sits at a million subscribers. Uh, and then after five years of um, basically creating the systems and processes that um, the BBC, BBC still use today, um, I then went off to do the same at another company called Endermole, which is the world's largest independent TV production company. Um, and then I took all of that experience of five years and then pretty much implemented everything that I'd learned within the space of, you know, five months. So I condensed five years of experience and knowledge and all of the processes that I built um, and realized pretty quickly that that stuff that I'd kind of self-taught and built was totally transferable to totally other channels totally different companies uh and got some pretty staggering results the biggest of which would probably be the one that goes on my gravestone when i die is that um i transformed the mr bean channel which although successful was kind of its lowest point uh in its kind of seven year history um, and I took that from around 25 million views a month to around 150 million views a month uh, and a subscriber count from about 3 million to about 10 million in a space of 12 months um, and basically built all of the systems uh, that didn't exist. Mine was a new role, uh, which pretty much built the machine that runs their YouTube network and still runs it today. So, um, yeah, some some pretty pretty big brands that I've worked for. Um, some people may say that, you know, it's an easy job to do when you've got brands like that. And I don't disagree totally. It certainly makes my job easier. Um, but I would argue that those brands existed before I came and they were not performing anywhere near to the standard that they were performing after I'd left that company, basically. Yeah. I think you, you mentioned systems quite a lot. And systems isn't something that we naturally associate with the word YouTube. Um, certainly most people's experience of YouTube is on, on the dabbling end of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, the, the phrase, I threw up a video, is one that you hear very often. I'd be keen to sort of dig into those systems a little bit, um, maybe not right now, but and, and see how they can apply to a small business um, or, or a small YouTuber, rather. Uh, because I know... Several people in our space, and when I say our space, I mean people who work fairly independently in the digital marketing space, uh, people that have been on the show, people like Gavin Bell, Philip Van Dusen, there's a lady called Nicole Osborne's on in a few weeks' time, and a guy called Joe Burnish, and they've all said uh, YouTube is a great driver of business for them, but that's not most people's experience. So I'd be keen to understand what, in really simple terms, if you were to break it down to three or four things, makes that difference uh yeah so when i talk about systems i'm mainly talking about kind of larger um, media companies that have you know big teams and loads of assets and you know lots of brands um but the, i actually use the same systems when i consult with independent youtubers that are you know literally sitting in their bedroom on their own pretty much um and systems are kind of the, probably the most powerful thing that you can use because 
especially on YouTube because YouTube rewards consistency and systems, uh, you know, by default create consistency. Um, something that I often say on YouTube is that the keys to success on YouTube are the three C's, all of which happen to be C for consistency. So that would be consistency of showing up every single week for five years and uploading on schedule. The second consistency would be consistency of what you're talking about. So can you be the subject matter expert in your niche? Uh, and can you show up every week and talk about that consistently? And then the third C, which is probably like the most technical uh, and probably what I specialize in most is the consistency of your metadata. So your titles, tags and descriptions, are you using the same um, you know, keywords that you, you need to be targeting? Are you using a consistent, are you using them consistently, consistently, sorry, across your catalog of videos? Um, and this is probably my area of real speciality is, is providing those consistent or providing systems, let me start again. My speciality is providing kind of a turnkey metadata system in a box so it takes all of the guesswork out of running a youtube channel and so the channel person can concentrate on making the videos and pretty much copy and paste in their metadata once it's ready to upload and you know that's efficient from a time point of view but also uh really effective in terms of uh, video seo might be a bit of a technical answer but well it is and it isn't because i think the showing up i'm not going to say that's easy but it's within people's control. Being the topic expert, if you are genuinely a topic expert, and many people who listen to this show are, um, then that's almost a given. The metadata, that's really where things get nerdy, and that's where an expert can really, really help. What, what kind of metadata? You mentioned keywords, titles. Is YouTube at the point where they're actually scanning video content for keywords? Yep, so YouTube can index. So if you if you upload regularly to YouTube, you'll see that they provide an auto-generated um, captions file or subtitle file. So you can actually read what YouTube thinks you are saying, which isn't always correct, uh, which is why I always recommend you make your own custom subtitle files because you don't want them to you know, um, rank or index th stuff that they think you're saying that you're not. Um, but yeah, YouTube is definitely smart enough and Google is smart enough to recognize images. You know, there's a thing called Google brain that can scan video content and understand what's inside of it. Um, and even now to the point where Google in the Google search results are showing small clips from YouTube videos that are kind of answering search, search questions. So if I search on Google for, you know, um, how to fry an egg not only will it serve up a YouTube video, but it will take me to the point in that YouTube video, uh, which is, you know, the meat and potatoes of that, of that how-to video. So yeah, it's definitely smart enough to know and understand video, but I'd say it's not smart enough yet where you can not do, make the effort of um, putting in really good consistent metadata so it knows exactly um, what it should be um, indexing and what it should associate with your video. Yeah, I saw that just a, I was last week. I saw that for the first time that 
you Google had served up a video, but not only that, it served up a video with a suggested timestamp for me to listen, uh, which, yeah, I don't think people realize how big that can be uh, for search results in the future. If that's what they're just starting now, it's a real signal as to what's to come for, for SEO. Maybe turning a little bit to look at your business now, in terms of your ideal client, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so in terms of my consulting business, I'd say my ideal client is a TV company or film company that has a back catalogue of TV shows or movies that they have the rights to exploit on YouTube, especially if they have the rights to show like full movies or full TV episodes. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is because... Um, that's where my experience is and so I've got the credentials in that field so in terms of lead generation or you know getting a you know closing a sale that makes that a lot easier secondly is that I know how to work with that stuff really easily and monetize that stuff really really well so in terms of getting results for my clients for me that's like I could do that in my sleep um and obviously we want, all want to get results for our clients because that then leads to more clients and um, positive reviews and feedback and testimonials. Um, and the third reason that um, that is my ideal, ideal client is because YouTube really, really loves that kind of stuff. Um, they love stuff from official brands that is brand safe, longer running times, um, you know, full episodes of a TV show, maybe half an hour, one hour. And YouTube love anything that keep people on the platform for longer. Um, so having, you know, a series of an hour long episodes uh, is really, really valuable to YouTube again, which makes my job uh, a lot easier. And I can go into a company and look like a hero very, very easily and very, very quickly if they've got, you know, a, a decent catalogue of... Um, content basically and we all want to look like a hero <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd be interested to know from a marketing perspective because and I, this is one of my stable questions anybody that's listened to the show for a long time will know to expect this question but in terms of where your work comes from i'm curious to know what proportion of that is referral based rather than inbound inquiries if you see what i mean so work that's been generated through your own digital marketing activities so your personal brand stuff yeah so i'm i'm guessing that i'm probably a lot different from uh a lot of your previous guests in that i've totally partly by choice partly by necessity have pretty much stopped all of my own personal brand digital marketing activities so i used to run a separate website where i blogged Every week, I used to have a YouTube channel where I made videos, not every week, but semi-consistently. Um, and I used to have an email newsletter that I sent out every single week. Uh, and I've stopped pretty much all of that. Um, so the only kind of what I would say would be kind of content marketing that I do now is uh, a, I co-host a podcast uh, which is aimed at YouTube industry professionals because again I'm looking for those people that are, are working with big catalogs of content and not necessarily um, independent YouTube creators or at least not kind of beginners because that's where all of my marketing efforts were focused on previously and there's probably uh, another interesting place we can we can go to in the conversation next um, so now all of my all of my business comes from either 
word of mouth um, or through speaking gigs. Um, so, you know, in person speaking at industry events uh, or internet marketing events that have an interest in YouTube. So, uh, you know, I don't really have, you know, I don't post blogs anymore. I'm very quiet on social media. Most of my social media is uh, a tiny bit of promoting my podcast and the rest would be me just talking about either industry stuff or me just talking about stuff that interests me in life. So, you know, I don't have like a strict content calendar. Um, but what I would say is that I've done all that for four or five years consistently, which got my reputation to a point where I could afford not to do it so much. And there probably will be a point again where I need to pick this up again and start doing a bit more of this uh, personal brand content marketing stuff. Uh, but at the moment, um, it's just not a good use of my time to be, you know, writing blog posts when I can, you know, be working on, you know, high ticket client work or um, bigger business development opportunities, you know, networking in real life, going out and meeting people, um, you know, doing some business development in terms of looking for big client opportunities on LinkedIn and, you know, cold outreach stuff like that which you know is always well at least in my my short experience of working for myself has really led to me um finding better clients and uh you know me being able to charge more for the clients that i'm finding yeah that all makes perfect sense and i think i don't want to use the, the phrase victim of your own success but i know how busy you are and it does make a lot of sense that you're you're really intentional about how you use your time. And if content marketing isn't really going to serve your business right now, then it's probably not the right thing. Yeah. And also there's a point where, you know, if I was to get a hundred clients tomorrow, I wouldn't be able to fulfill that work, which is kind of, you know, which is a kind of perverse way of looking at stuff is that, you know, I'm turning away money or I have to tell people, okay, I can do the work, but you're gonna have to wait six months that's not a good business practice, but that's the reality of where I'm at um, in less than a year's time. And I'm taking strides to change that. So, but, you know, at the same point, there's no point in me trying to create a, a tide of leads to come into the business if I can't fulfill the work. So um, I'm trying to build the systems again, systems really important where I can facilitate more clients at once um, before I then maybe go out and try to, find that uh, lead generation mechanism, which is a little bit more automated and less of me being out there in the world in person of relying on um, kind of word of mouth referrals. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. When, when you're as busy as you are, you only have two options, really. You can either hire more people. And when you're in a really knowledge intensive space as you are, you can't just hire another you. There aren't any. Um, so the only other option you've got, as you alluded to there, is maybe moving to a one-to-many where you're you're not recreating, you're not serving one client again and again, but you're serving many people at once. Um, so how are you looking at integrating that into your business? Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of ways. Um, the main one is uh, a course that I've got coming out in a couple of weeks, which will be part of a wider... Uh, I suppose you would call it a membership site, but probably more accurately a 
continuity program. You know, there's I, I might be splitting hairs there, it might be just semantics, but basically there'll be one course that will lead to further courses and then a community aspect where people can pay uh, a monthly fee to um, get access to kind of mini trainings and access to me and my business partner. Um, I think this is really important for me to touch on actually is that this is a joint venture between me uh, and a fellow expert. And the reason I think it's important is because when I first left the corporate world uh, last year, my aim was to mainly focus on building my own membership site. Uh, I had the domain, I had the website, I had the logo, I had the cool software. I was a member of uh, Mike and Kelly's uh, membership guys community, uh, which was incredible. Like if anyone's thinking of doing anything membership related, you have to be a part of that membership. It's, Good to know. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but I quickly realized that th it was just not going to happen if it was me on my own. It was too much required to run the technical part, too much of a time commitment. Uh, also, I would then have to turn back on that lead generation funnel and I'd need to go out and content market to fill that pipeline because on my own, my reputation is probably not where it needs to be in terms of the target market that I was going for, which was again, kind of beginners. Um, so instead, I've partnered with someone who does have a big reputation, but is also very technically minded and experienced in running courses, membership sites. So basically I am bringing like my uh, subject matter expertise, uh, some of my audience, which is not huge, my email list and stuff like that. Um, but now like my reputation as an expert who speaks all of the biggest industry events, um, I've got, we'll now have a course and a membership or continuity program to point to. But I knew for a fact that if I had to do the technical aspects of running a membership and a course, it wouldn't happen. Um, so that's why I've decided to partner with someone. So the obviously I need to share the upside of that, but also I believe it's going to be a much, much bigger overall, uh, ups, you know, much bigger profit overall because that person is an expert in running um, courses and memberships. And also they are uh, an expert in this, in the, in, a, in the same field as me. So um, mm. I'd much rather have 50% of, you know, a much bigger pie than a hundred percent of what would essentially be nothing. I think yeah. if I was left to my own devices. I think partnership can be brilliant when you find the right person, but it's just, it's so important that both people are bringing value. And yeah. And, and often when partnerships fail, it's because they don't. And I think really going out there to look, in, look for somebody that's genuinely bringing something special is bound to pay off. I'd like to look at, well, maybe before I do that, we should maybe dig into the courses a little bit because you'd mentioned that that's aimed at beginners. So who, who would your course really suit? Yeah, so originally my membership was going to be aimed at basically anyone that has a YouTube channel. Um, and the reason that I left that behind and I left behind my old blog and my old YouTube channel is because it was aimed at beginners. Uh, and I had a really interesting conversation once with uh, like a business mentor of mine. Um, and he said to me, we were talking about like my perfect client and my perfect audience member. Um, and he said, in terms of you and all of the other YouTube experts, inverted commas, uh, you know, you know, where, where do you, where do you kind of fall on the list of kind of, uh, you know, are you the best? And I was like, well, you know, 
I'm definitely top five. Um, and then there's like, there's maybe one person that I personally would regard as a, a you know, someone that I would, you know, come second to. Um, but in terms of audience and stuff, I'm way down the pecking order. Like there's people with audiences that are much, much bigger than mine, um, who you could argue had less experience or knowledge, but it doesn't matter because they've got the audience and that's what you need. And that also reflects uh, on them as, a, as an expert. Um, and I quickly realized that I couldn't compete. I didn't have the drive to grow a YouTube channel about helping people to do YouTube like my competitors did. Um, you know, nor did I have the time. Um, and also I'd been working on that audience for like four or five years and hardly made any money. You know, one of the biggest lessons that I can teach anyone is that the beginner's market, unless you've got really big scale, is just not profitable. You know, you've got to sell so many $4 eBooks and get so many affiliate marketing referrals to make that work as a business model um, that I decided to pretty much burn everything that I'd, I'd built before with regards <laughs> to um, targeting beginners. Again, it was from the same business coach. He said, okay, so why, if you're an expert of working with TV companies, why don't you only target kind of TV and media brands? Uh, you know, how do you rank as an expert in that field? And it's like, well, without, you know, hands down, I'm the number one expert in the world when it comes to helping media companies with their YouTube channels. And so he said, so why are you c competing over there for smaller clients when you can target much bigger clients with bigger budgets um, that you're, you know, that you don't have competition in. So from that day forth, uh, I made a pivot after wasting a few months trying to build a non-existent membership site for beginners and uh, decided to only go over, go after high ticket clients from that point on. And that was absolutely transformational for me and my business and my life, uh, really, because uh, it meant I wasn't, you know, wasting time, uh, or arguably wasting time chasing down lots of little sales and instead focusing on, you know, a few bigger, better sales. Um, and, you know, as you can imagine, that's going to change anyone's kind of uh, business. I think people, we, we all talk about niching and specialization. And a lot of us think we've done it. But actually, taking that leap to to, to, to to say, well, okay, I'm going to do this one thing is terrifying. And I avoided it myself personally for many, many years. But the day I did it, I can still remember, because it actually wasn't that long ago, I suddenly felt so much more powerful that I knew exactly who I needed to speak to. I knew exactly who I had to be for them. And suddenly you'd gone from being in a category of many to really putting yourself in a category of one. Yeah. It's profoundly powerful, and those people who do it, they, they very quickly find they get traction that was never there before. Yeah, and I think also from a, a psychological point of view is that you no longer see those old, uh, inverted commas, competitors, many of who I know and love and I really well, a lot of the other kind of YouTube experts. Um, you no longer see them as competition. So, you know, I used to do a lot of looking at other people's channels and trying to reverse engineer what they were doing or just being nosy, wondering what their programs were like, how much were they charging, what were their sales pages like. And with a you know, with the click of our fingers, I just didn't care anymore because they weren't my competitors. You know, in my space, 
there is no one that can compete with me in terms of my experience, my knowledge. There are massive agencies out there that dominate the market, but they're nowhere near as good as me in terms of knowledge or results or, um, you know, the quality of work that they do. I won't mention any names, but, um, and a lot of my clients actually come from people who are leaving these agencies um, because they're not happy with the results. Uh, they're not getting a boutique service. Um, and that's where I can differentiate really is to, to say you will get me helping you and not the CEO rolling out to seal the deal. And then you get an intern working on your account. Um, and that's, that's probably my biggest point of, uh, of difference in the market. Mm. So looking at the courses now, that is geared for sort of the beginner end of the market. Is that correct? Uh, I wouldn't say beginner unless they had a significant amount of money to invest. So this is kind right. of, a, it's probably a higher ticket course. So it's probably going to start around $999 uh, in the first, the first kind of launch. So this is more geared towards people that are already running their channels at a decent level, probably doing it full-time if not full-time uh, making a decent enough amount of money out of their channels where it's they're thinking about it maybe they've got a team maybe they haven't um, and they're basically just looking to professionalize everything take out the guesswork maybe they've hit a plateau uh, you know a lot has changed over the last few years and a lot of really healthy channels have started to see a decline if not just hitting a ceiling so this is probably geared towards more um semi-pro i'd yeah. say or professional youtubers also for, you know media companies again if you know i'm i'm talking to a lot of kind of prospective clients on discovery calls and i'm saying like well i can do this for you for x amount which is quite a lot amount or i'd say or i've got this course coming out in a couple of weeks and your team can take the course and teach themselves how to do it so i'm kind of doing myself out of a lot of uh, potential consultancy work but ultimately that's my aim is to not do so much consultancy work and have it kind of running in the background so I don't see that as a as a as a problem because long term that's the way that I want my business to shift is that it's not a consultancy business and um, you know I'm doing less of that that consultancy work yeah one area I'd like to circle back to was expert status and that's a theme that's come out of what what you're t what you're saying again and again, uh, and you spoke about public speaking. That a lot of your work now comes through speaking gigs, but I, I'm making some assumptions here. But I don't imagine there would be that much call for you to do public speaking while you were in this in this role at the BBC. Is that um, well? That, that's probably what actually got me my first public speaking gigs. Is that people want to be able to say we have a speaker from the BBC. Right on our roster, you know, if you notice that probably not so much of the internet, you know, like the youthpreneur type summits of this world, but you know, more industry specific stuff. If you can say, oh, we've got speakers from the BBC and um, Discovery and National Geographic and um, you know, MGM Studios, that helps to put bums on seats because. Um, they're big names and people respect yeah. those names. So early on, you know, it was, it was me doing public speaking or being on panels with my BBC hat on. Um, and it wasn't until last year that I started doing my own 
talks as as Tom from Channel Fuel, not from Tom from the BBC or Tom from Endemol. Uh, and that was a really kind of proud moment for me because I felt like, you know, I've earned the right uh, and the respect on my own name, not the name of my employer. So that was a really big change for me. And uh, it also meant I could, you know, promote me and my services and my, my brand and, you know, not be apologetic in saying, oh, yeah, and I've also got, you know, this business on the side. So, um, yeah, it's really important for me last year to to make that that move away from Tom from the BBC and be, becoming Tom from uh, Channel Fuel. And how did that feel? Uh, I mean, you said you were proud, but I think a lot of people in that situation would be faced with imposter syndrome. Now, you come across as a fairly confident guy, but is imposter syndrome something that you have ever experienced? Um, yeah, I think I, I was even experiencing an imposter in imposter syndrome in the corporate world so I'd had great success at the BBC but you know like I said before is that because I was working with Doctor Who and Sherlock or was that because I was good at my job um, and then I went over to Endemol and it was pretty clear pretty early on um, that the systems that I'd created and stuff do are transferable um, because I got some pretty incredible results and probably better results than I did in you know I probably got more results in that 14 months at Endemol than I did in five years at the BBC working on their YouTube channels so that was to me like a big relief to say okay so I do know what I'm talking about um, so that was that was really good and then when I did go out on my own uh, as an as a um, as a freelancer or as a consultant however you want to call it as a business as a solopreneur again my confidence was not as like it is today uh as a speaker, I was I was pretty confident because when I'm talking about YouTube, um, I know what I'm talking about. You know, uh, you know, if I didn't have any slides, I could still probably talk for an hour in a pretty structured way. Um, so I was a little bit I was a little bit worried, but I was definitely suffering from imposter syndrome to a certain extent, or at least lack of confidence when it came to asking people to pay me money for my time and my, for my expertise. Um, but I'd say that now that's you know i still sometimes struggle but i'd say generally it's like night and day how i feel today you know um what i used to charge someone for um for a month's amount of my time i now charge for a day's amount of my time uh and i have no problem asking for that i don't negotiate on price generally um and you know to have the confidence to say this is my price. This is my value. It's not up for negotiation. I don't need to negotiate because I've got a waiting list. Um, and to ask for prices, which I would never have dreamed that I would have been able to have achieved um, for like a day of my time is, you know, and most of it is down to confidence and positioning. You know, yeah. if I don't have the confidence to know that I'm, you know, one of, if not the best in the world at what I'm talking about, then I'm not going to have the confidence to say, "Well, you pay me X," and no, we're not going to talk about the price. Like, <laughs> and 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 for me to, uh, you know, to be prepared for them to not answer that email, or to get off that call and not and not call me back, to have the confidence to to for them to walk away is powerful because one, it means I don't have to negotiate, and two, I think it instills confidence in the buyer because they think okay well he must be 
he must be good. If he can afford to charge that and he's got a waiting list and he's not willing to negotiate price, he must be good. And it's just, yeah. it's just a psychological trigger. But the difference that I've seen in myself and uh, my business from having the confidence to say, no, that is my price. And I've put my price up every few months since I left to the point now where you you know I'm charging 10 times what I used to charge for exactly the same service like there's no difference in the service 100% what I used to charge for five years ago when I was doing freelancing on the side at the BBC you can get exactly the same service but now you have to pay 10 times the price um, and that's just again it's just confidence and and positioning really and I think obviously it's supply and demand I mean if, if, if yeah if you weren't getting the work you couldn't do that and if you weren't delivering you couldn't do that yeah absolutely and i think youtube is uh still in a boom phase it's you know it's it's about what 12 years old now but um you know there are still a lot of people that are not yet on youtube or not on it seriously uh or there are people that have grown up on youtube but have, like i said before have like hit a wall and they've realized that um if they don't adapt or change, then they're going to get left behind. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of people out there in the world uh, that need my help. And this is where I'd like to go next. You mentioned YouTube is, is, is still very much in a boom phase. There's still lots of opportunity there. And it's often said of lots of things, the best time to do X, plant a tree, was 20 years ago. Yeah. The next best time is now. If somebody listening to the show is thinking, and I, I feel compelled to do something on YouTube, but I've just not done it yet. You've worked with lots of YouTubers, some were success, some were failure. What would be the, the handful of things that you can do to really set yourself up with the best possible chance of success? Yeah, so I would first of all say that YouTube is not for everyone. You know, it will not be necessarily the right strategy for you or your business but it may very well be um and the number one thing that i would suggest to take the guesswork out of that is to do your research up front um and you can do keyword research on youtube to see what people are searching for to see if there is a demand for what you're teaching and also to see what the competition is like around those keywords uh and this is actually the basis of my course but that's by the by this is something that i've preached for ages and is that is that you know, you can spend three years making the best videos in the world consistently, but if no one is ever searched for what you're making videos about, then you've wasted your time, unfortunately. Uh, and there are ways that you can you can check to see if there is a demand, to check the language that people are searching for around that demand, uh, and how good or not the competition is around that that space. So, for example, you know, if you wanted to make a channel about um bass fishing you know you might be the the number one world expert in bass fishing but if no one's searching for that those videos or those keywords around what you're making um or then there's no point and also if you have a very very saturated market and you're not willing to either make better videos than the competition or you know make videos for five years and still not be the number one player in the market, then you're not going to make it either. Because a lot of it comes down to, are you just willing to put in the, the donkey work over the years to to become the, the expert and the, the market leader on YouTube? Um, 
So definitely the number one piece of advice I say is before you go down the rabbit hole of teaching yourself how to edit or buying all this camera gear or paying for a videographer is actually make sure there is a demand for what you're you're going to be talking about on YouTube. Which is actually very simple advice that you would apply to any business from an SEO perspective. Yeah. It's yeah, it makes so much sense. Get get your keywords straight and then invest in everything around those. And it makes perfect sense, but you'd be surprised just how little that is done by 99% of people on YouTube. And you'd probably be surprised on how many people don't do it for their website or for their business in general and they just they just want to scratch their own itch um without having a kind of um confirmation that there's a demand for it in the market yeah where, whatever that market may be or whatever platform that may be uh, tom is that if people want to connect with you how would you like them to do that yeah um, so the easiest way is old-fashioned email you can email me tom at channelfuel.co.co um, or if you just want to say hi uh, anything like that you can probably best to find me on twitter at channel underscore fuel Oh, and um, yeah, if you're interested in the course or anything like that, um, you can go to channelfuel.co forward slash course to find out uh, more about that. And uh, it may or may not be released by the time you listen to this, but um, it'll definitely be released soon uh, around the release of this. And I will put links to all of that in the show notes. Tom Martin from Channel Fuel, you have been a fantastic guest. So much value there. And I wish you all the success with your course. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Bob. It's been a pleasure and uh, the same to you. Tom has done a great job of not getting distracted by low-hanging fruit or easy wins and focused instead on really hunting down the people he feels can benefit most from and pay most for his experience. We don't all have to be Tom Martin, YouTube licensing expert, but we can all ask ourselves, who really needs what I have? And who can I serve better than anyone else? You might be surprised by the answers. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com or just search Gravity Digital Marketing in Facebook and you'll find us easily. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and is the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Tom Martin for giving us his time this week and to you for listening and see you next time.